You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. All right, let's look at a passage of scripture this morning, uh, Matthew chapter 17, and I'm going to just read it for you, verses 1 through 8, and uh, many of you have heard this story before, and it is the story of uh, the transfiguration of Jesus, all right? So let's just get right into it, and then I want to just talk a little bit about it here, um, and then we'll take a, a short break and have our meeting following that, okay? Verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, It is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While they were still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Let's just stop right there and kind of talk about this just a little bit here this morning. Um, this This is an amazing point in the life of Jesus. And it's one that... I personally have not heard a lot of pastors preach about. It seems that, that it's one of those, those very mysterious places in the life of Jesus that, it, that, that people don't really just run to and say, oh, I want to unpack that, and I really want to talk about that, and I really want to, want to preach or teach about that. Um, so I, I, was, I was asking different ones this morning, how many times have you heard a sermon on the transfiguration? And not a single person told me more than once. Now, maybe some of you have heard several sermons, but, but I've not heard more than a couple of them uh, until, you know, doing a little research for this particular message to preach to you. And it is only the second time that I have ever preached on the transfiguration it's, itself. Um, so it seems to be one of those areas that's kind of out there, but we really don't grab a hold of it very well. But I would like to try to take it and unpack it just a little bit, and I would like to try to make a personal application for you and I today in this. Now, what Pastor Dave and I have tried to do since the beginning of the year is we have tried to take you through the life of Jesus. We tried to take you through like a literal movement through his life, okay? Uh, starting with his birth, we talked about that just before the new year. So we started with, with his birth, and we've, we've chosen different events throughout the life of Jesus leading up to his death and resurrection, which we're going to, to deal with uh, as we enter into Holy Week, all right? Uh, so what we've tried to do, though, is we've tried to choose passages that, for us, we felt like would really speak to you about the authenticity of Jesus as the Son of God, 
uh, situations uh, where it proves in some sense that Jesus, at least to believers, it proves that Jesus is the Son of God. It verifies that in some wonderful or magnificent way. Um, and, and we've been doing that all along. So Pastor Dave's done that with several. I've done that with several. Nathan did it last Sunday and did a fabulous job with the raising of Lazarus from the dead and the responses to that, that particular resurrection. And so we chose this passage today, not just simply because it is the transfiguration and it's a mysterious point in the life of Jesus, but because of the affirmation of God the Father upon uh, Jesus in this passage when the cloud comes down and covers him and, and, uh, and those he is talking with and this voice which seems not to be one of the three comes out of the heavens and speaks and says that this is my beloved son in whom I'm, I'm well pleased and listen to him. It was at that moment that the disciples become very, very terrified, all right? So we want to just look at this for just a few minutes and see what we can apply to our own lives here. And what I want to do is I want to begin with uh, the idea of transfigured or transfiguration uh, and, and just uh, observe that this is, if you look at the Greek word, it's translated transfiguration, but it really is a, a word that means metamorphosis. It's actually the word that we take our word metamorphosis from. All right. And uh, and because I'm not a Greek scholar, I'm not going to try to pronounce that word to you. Jack could do that very, very well because he is is a sort of our Greek scholar back there. And uh, and he's taken uh, Greek in, in school. So he knows these things. And I kind of go to him a lot of times when I want to understand some of these words better. But but any student of biology would know metamorphosis. They would know it as a transformation. All right. And I've preached about caterpillars turning into butterflies. That's just such a wonderful analogy of new birth and, and those kinds of things, you know. And so that's really fun to preach, you know, preach it from that perspective, that, that we are changed in some way when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's a very, very important transformation. You've become a new creature in Christ. So it, it works nicely there to do that. But we need to understand that something happened to Jesus on this day. We don't we don't grasp or understand the full extent of what happened to him, but he was certainly transformed. There was an obvious physical change or manifestation that took place during this, this, this encounter. And so there is something that happens here. And what I want to propose to you is that what we are, we are seeing happen in this story is we are seeing the glory of God. We are seeing the glory of God come upon Jesus, all right? And so, for 33 and a half years, he's lived upon the face of the earth in, in human form here, as we see it in, in, in the scriptures, all right? Now, we've endeavored for, for this little bit of time to show you a number of those things that have gone on in, this, in those 33 and a half years. We're almost at the end of that. We're, gonna, we're coming into Palm Sunday and uh, we're going to celebrate and, and, and worship and be, be very energetic in our worship on Palm Sunday. And then we're going to declare him as king. You know, we're going to try to put you into that event in some way and, uh, and, and help you to, to, to feel it and, and to see it and understand it. I'm so excited for Easter week, for Holy Week, because we're also going to try to put you into events uh, during Holy Week. We're going to try to, to put you into the events of Monday, Thursday. We're going to try to put you into the events 
of, of Good Friday. We're going to try to put you into the events of the, of the, of the Holy Saturday. We're, going to tr- we're obviously going to put you into the, the events surrounding the resurrection on Sunday morning. You're going to be able to rejoice and, and enjoy that. But we're, we're going to lead you through these things. This room is going to take some transformation uh, as we go through this. We're, we're literally going to, to attempt, uh, I say attempt, but, but I think we're going to pull it off. Okay, we're going to attempt to place you in the garden with Jesus in that agonizing prayer. We're going to attempt to put you by the tomb uh, of Jesus. So when you come in here during Holy Week, you're going, to, you're going to see a different kind of place. You're going to feel a different kind of atmosphere. We're going to use some, some drama. We're going to use some video. We're going to, to uh, include dance and, and all kinds of things. We're going to, we're going to create a very uh, uh, sensate sort of experience for you to sort of touch and feel and smell what went on in those hours in the life of Jesus. And our intent is not to entertain you. All right? And, and, and here's what I want you to understand. In, in, in everything that happened in the life of Jesus, whether he turned water into wine, whether he was transfigured on a hillside, whether he healed somebody from a physical sickness, whether he raised someone from the dead, nothing that Jesus did was to entertain someone. Never. It was simply to validate that He is the Son of God and to do and and be purposeful and intentional about what God had had called Him to do. So much so that Jesus said, I only did what you told me to do. I only said what you said I should say. I I did no extras. I pulled no stunts. (laughs) And I really believe that. I don't believe even as a young Jesus that, that He was pulling stunts. With this, with this anointing that was upon him and this, 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 this God part of him. And so I don't want to entertain you on Holy Week. But I do want to try to... This is the, this is the biggest attempt we've ever done as a church to, to, to walk through Holy Week. We've never done this before. We've never had a Monday Thursday service. We've never had a Good Friday service. We've never had anything on, on Saturday. We've always just come here for, I, should, I don't mean to, to, dis, to diminish it in any way now, but we've always just come here on Sunday, which is a great thing to come and celebrate. We've done it really early in the morning, and we've done it at, at later times. Don't worry, this year it will be later, all right, so you don't have to get up early. Uh, but, but we've done all kinds of things on Sunday mornings, and, and, and those things are important. But I want you to understand that at the end of all of this, there's a great purpose. We didn't, we didn't just come up with some novelty. We did, this, isn't, this idea of being centered on Jesus is so purposeful for us, and we believe that the Holy Spirit gave this to us. And the intent was to, to bring you into the life of Jesus. And we tried to do that in unique ways along through the first part of this year. So, all right, so... Through the life of Jesus, we go up until the resurrection and Resurrection Sunday. And then we're going to shift at that point, and we're going to talk about the parables uh, for a season, and then we're going to go on to other things after that. But I want you to understand that, that today, this message, this, this event in the life of Jesus, it isn't something just for entertainment. It isn't something that is just to be novel. It isn't something to say, hmm, you know, that's weird, or, or that's strange. But I believe that there's a, there's a real purpose that you and I can get out of this as we look at it, all right? 
And so we've been, we've been leading up to this death and resurrection celebration, and, and we're going there. We're going to ask you next Sunday. We're going to pose you. We're going to have some information for you about prayer and fasting. Ouch! And we're going to ask you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, somewhere in there, that, that you present yourself to God and you have some kind of fast. All right? You, 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 you give up something uh, for the Lord. Um, for many of you, that should be food, you know. Uh, it could be other things, but for most of us, it's probably going to be food. Um, I'm already on a diet with my daughter. Not a diet to lose weight, obviously, but, but I am on a diet. It's a health diet with my daughter, uh, and we have to eat really healthy food, and so there's a lot of things I can't eat, and I'm, it's just driving me crazy. Every night, I go to bed unfulfilled. <laughs> totally. But I'm doing it with her to, to, to support her, and because she asked me to, you know, and I'm cheating. But she is like a, a Nazi Gestapo, what do you call him, Gestapo, Gestapo guy. She's like the police, you know, she's like a helicopter hovering over me. What'd you eat? What'd you eat? You know, and I have to confess, you know, and, and, and repent, you know. But, but we want to have a time of giving up something here, all right, laying something down, an, an act of crucifying our lives. Why, why are you saying all this to us, Pastor? Because I want you to understand that, that from the transfiguration, from this message that I'm preaching to you today, which is novel in a sense, but not entertainment, we're going to move into a time of where we are going to experience this together. And I won't really want you to do it. I want you to come. I want you to come and be a part of these events. And I want you to prepare your heart for them. I want you to get yourself ready. And I want, I want you to allow God to do something amazing in you. Because, see, this is what I believe. I believe that something happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. Not only did it happen that Jesus was transformed in some way, and, 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 and it, there's, there's great implications to all of that, but I think the disciples that were there, the three that were there with him, were literally changed. I think there was such a shift in them. And I hope that today there would be a shift in you, that, that you would make a, 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 an amazing shift and you would focus yourself to go to this place with Jesus of his death and resurrection simply because I believe that the resurrection is it. The birth is not it. The miracles, they're not it. All right? The healings, they're not it. All right? It is the resurrection. That is the power. And that is the difference, and that is what I want you living out of, is out of the resurrection, all right? And so I want to challenge you and I that we just, we just grab a hold of this hard, okay? All right? Now, we read the scriptures, and we see that Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry on the earth. And for a few minutes on this mountainside in Galilee... Peter, James, and John are privileged to see something amazing happen. They're, they're, they're privileged to, to be eyewitnesses. All right? they, are, they are the accounts uh, for this metamorphosis that is taking place. And, and we see Jesus here, and we see him uh, clothed in the glory of God. We see something miraculous happen in his life. And, and the Bible says that, that he, he just he glowed. You know, I mean, this is, this is an amazing, amazing thing here that happens. And we want to look at it through John's eyes just a little bit because uh, some years later in the first chapter of his gospel, the gospel of John, verse 14, John says, The Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory 
of the one and the only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What an amazing description. What an amazing declaration of Jesus right there. I, I think that that is just magnificent. All right? John knew, though. See, John knew what he was talking about. This isn't just some orator waxing great with words here. All right? He's not just some special communicator who has such a, a, a wonderful talent of just coming up with words or painting pictures with words or, or those kinds of things. John knew what he was talking about for on that mountainside they had seen Jesus transfigured. His appearance changing dramatically. All right? His face and his clothing shining like the light of the sun. And just as that happened, then all of a sudden here appears Moses and Elijah and they actually literally, the Bible says, begin talking with Jesus. These are not some hologram kinds of things. These are not some images that just suddenly appear through some kind of of magical situation. They are literally there talking with Jesus, all right? And so we're not going to go into all of that, but what I want you to understand here is that, that, that while, while they are talking, while he is, is, is speaking with them, then God does something tremendous in bringing this cloud this, 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 around them, this smoky experience or this cloud or whatever that comes around them, it envelops them, and God speaks. God speaks out loud. God speaks very audibly, all right? There's no mistaking that this is another voice. And God says, this is my son whom I love. And with him I am well pleased. And he says, and I love this part, listen to him. That is so interesting to me. Listen to him. Does that, do you recall anything from any of the sermons we preached earlier? Is there, remember, remember the, the, the one sentence sermon? It was the mother of Jesus. Just do what he says. In other words, listen to him. Whatever he says, do. You do it. You know, it's, it's kind of that kind of a thing. Listen to him. Pay, pay attention to what he's saying to you. There, there seems to be this connotation that you respond. You listen to him and then you respond. He has something tremendous to say. All right? And so, so we have this, this wonderful event here. All right? And, and, and the amazing thing is that about a week before the transfiguration, a week before this, Jesus had asked his apostles a question. All right? He had gathered the disciples around him. And, and this is the question that he asked. He says, who do people say that I am? And they replied, okay, some think you're Elijah. Some think you're Jeremiah. Some think you're one of the other prophets. All right? Some even think you might be John the Baptist come back from the dead. And then Jesus responds back to them after they give these different answers. And he says, but what about you? What about you? Who do you say that I am? And it was Peter that answered in Matthew 16, 16. He says, you're the Christ, the Son of God. Actually, he says, the Son of the living God. That's who you are. That's who you are. You know, I, I have 
curiosity. So I wonder about the disciples. And I, I try to put myself in some of their positions. And I try to think, how would I respond? How would I act in, in certain situations? And as I study the life of Jesus and as they follow him, and I'm thinking about the disciples and the things that are going on all around them, uh, along about this time, I think that, that I, would be, I would be one of those who would be wondering. I would have some questions, possibly here, you know, and I, and I wonder what the other disciples, not the ones who were so vocal, but the other ones, I, I wonder what, I, I wonder, like when Peter says this, you know, he says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God, are the other disciples all going, yeah, yeah, right, that's it, yeah, you're it, you're the man, you know, you got it, or, or are they looking at one another, or are, are some of them giving a, a curious glance to, a, to another, and, and, and they know what each other's thinking, and, and they're, they're wondering here, or, or maybe they're, they're a little bit confused in some way, you know? You know? Did they turn to Peter, you know, and, and, and say, well, well what, what'd you, why'd you ask that? Are you, are you, are you convinced? Why, why do you say that, Peter, when he asks you? What? Are you convinced? Are you really convinced? Is he, do you guys really think he really is the Son of God? Are we on the right track here? Are we, in, are, we in, are, are, we, are we following right here? I think there probably were some later conversations. I think there were some late night conversations. I think there was some talk around the campfire, so to speak, as they discussed what Jesus was saying to them as they are re-examining his miracles, they're talking about the people who are coming and going and, and had come to him. You know, it, is he really the Christ? Is he really the Messiah, the one we are longing for? Is he, is he really the one that we've been praying for to come? And I think that there probably were some lingering questions along the mountainside there. I think, I think they, they were until... Peter, James, and John saw the glory of God. I think all along there could have been some, some concern. But I think this is that amazing moment. This is that amazing metamorphosis of the whole thing. All right, Not just of Jesus. And not just His transformation. But I think that suddenly, like, like a, just like a, a rushing water, uh, over, you know, like a, a river that's overflowing and, and rushing, all of a sudden it just comes down on John. And I think he's convinced that what Peter said was true. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. I don't believe there's any doubt. I believe all, all doubt has been removed. You see, it, it, it's one thing for you and I to recognize that there is a God who has put the sun and the moon and the stars into place. You know, it's, it's one thing for us to recognize that there is a God who made us you know, and, and who, who appreciates beauty and order and and who gives us morality and helps us to make good decisions and, and, and uh, helps us to recognize good from evil and, and convicts us and all. Th- th- those things are, are good. But, but John sort of seems to have this like overwhelming revelation here. And that is that this is Jesus, the one who has let me lean on his shoulder. You know, this is the one that knew me when I was discouraged. This is the one that has spoken life into me and, and encouraged me. He's been here with me when I'm lonely and when, I, when I'm tired. This is, this is that Jesus, but he goes a step further here. I think there's something that's very solidified here in him, in his heart and in his mind, and that is, this is Jesus. We've been doing this thing together, but he is the Son of God. There's no doubt. 
I'm, I'm convinced of it. I'm, it's settled in me. All right? it is set, it's, not just, it's not just something that is knowledge in my head, but now it's deep in me. It's deep in the core of my believing and my being. It, this is, this, I'm a part of this. You know, he identifies with, with Jesus as the Son of God. There's a pastor. Matter of fact, he's a pastor that I have. One of the first ones that I heard preach on, on the, the transformation excuse me, the transfiguration of, of Jesus. And he said that years ago, he, uh, he went to an old, very famous church. He was able to attend it on a Sunday morning. And he, uh, he listened to the pastor or the minister preach. And he said the thing that gripped me the most was that he was an orator. He's a man, his command of words and his ability to speak and uh, he said it was, just, it was just absolutely astounding. It was stunning. You were just, you know, you were just caught in his ability to present something. And uh, he said he preached a masterpiece of a sermon. He said the sermon was about philosophy, and it was about teachings, and it was about Jesus. And he made application to people's lives, and he did it in wonderful ways. He said, but as I listened to him preach this sermon, he said, I became more and more aware that he was preaching to me, this Jesus, a man, period. This Jesus, a man. And that there, he never went into that place of Jesus being the Son of God or Jesus in any way being divine. He saw Jesus as a good Man, And he was able to preach that in a very powerful way. But not once did he suggest or even hint that Jesus was more than a man, that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And here's what I want you to understand. We will always present that. That will always be a part of us. We will always declare Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. It is something that we integrate into our faith, all right? It is, a, it is a part of our spirituality. It is a part of what we believe and we hold to is that Jesus is the Son of God. And I want you to understand that you are blessed, we are blessed to be able to come to a church in America and still be able to pray to this Jesus and to, to proclaim Him and to declare Him. And to, and to declare that, that like John, we realize that, that the, the glory of God is upon Jesus because Jesus is the Son of God. It changed John. It changed Peter. If you really want to see change in your own life, and this is where we bring the personal application in, I want to challenge you that you see the glory of God. That you experience the glory of God, all right? I, I know that most of us here, we're much like the Apostle Philip. Remember, after, after about three years with, with Jesus, seeing the miracles, listening to his teachings, just a short time before the crucifixion, Philip comes and he says, Lord, show us the Father. And he says something else. And then that'll be enough for us. We just, we just need to see the Father. You just, you, just, you just show us the Father. And Jesus says, Philip, don't you know, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That's John 14, 
8 and 9. When we see Jesus, we know what God is like. All right? For Jesus came to reflect and to reveal God to us. So we need to see God. We need to to listen to His Word. And when we don't, there there become frantic attempts, I think, on our part to reach out and find something to believe in. But I want to challenge you and I that we not live in that place of searching for something else or looking for something else. That we literally understand that this Jesus, whom they crucified, who is resurrected from the dead and sitting at the right hand of the Father, this Jesus is the one we're looking for. And this Jesus is our only answer. And so we need His glory to shine into our lives. And we need Him to transform us or transfigure us or give us some kind of metamorphosis, if you will. Let me try to hurry through this, but I want to bring up a a, a point here and and, and try to to encourage us that we not look anywhere else. Uh, There's a story told about a housewife in, in New Mexico a, a number of years ago, and she was, this is a crazy story, but, but it bears telling, I think. Um, she was frying tortillas on, on her stove, and one of them burned. And so she, she just happened to, to, to kind of stare at it a bit before she took it out of the pan, and she thought that, that it, the, 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 the burnt part of it revealed the shape of a face. And so she decided that the image on the tortilla was that of Jesus. And so she, she took it, she took this, and she took it to her priest, and she said, do you think this looks like Jesus? And he thought that it looked like Jesus, too. And so he blessed it. And, uh, and, and I, obviously he had never blessed a tortilla before, but he blessed this tortilla. And uh, I, I'm not trying to be too funny here now, because I, I want to bring a serious note here, but, I mean, you, you kind of get, I mean, it's, you can laugh about this a little bit. Uh, if you're not careful, you can probably go too far with it, and I don't want to do that this morning, okay? Um, you know, I'm from fun country. I, I could go off on a tangent. Um, she took it home, and she put it in a, in a little box. She surrounded it with white cotton uh, so that it would look like it was floating on a cloud, so it was the face of Jesus floating on a cloud. And then she and her husband actually, literally, this is a true story, built an altar, and they began to pray in front of this altar of this burnt tortilla that looked like the face of Jesus floating on cotton clouds. The news spread. It's literally what happened. Soon, thousands of people were coming to see and pray before the burnt tortilla. It's happened in other places, in other ways, you know. There's a story of of, of someone who, who discovered a tree in Poland and the knot on the tree looked like the face of Jesus. And the little old man who, who discovered it uh, prayed to it, and, and, and he was a cripple. And he, he, declared, he said he was a cripple, and he declared that he was healed, and he had crutches, and he put crutches uh, by the tree. And then someone else found another knot on another tree, and, and that also looked very much like the knot that was on the original tree. And so they have two trees. And now these did not look like Jesus, but they looked like Mary. And, uh, and so... You know, people start to come and they start to pray to them and all kinds of things develop out of that and, and, and grow out of that, all right? Um, when my wife and I were in England and uh, also when I was in Brazil, I saw some of the most amazing churches, you know, uh, all over the UK. There's just some amazing cathedrals and, and that was what my wife liked going to see. So we would, you know, hop around to the different cathedrals. I'm sure you saw some of them too, Nathan, and, you know, Joan and Denny, you've seen some of them in Ireland as well. Uh, beautiful, beautiful cathedrals. Glorious places, all right? 
built with great time and energy and resources, all right? And there are people who walk into those and, and they're like, ah, oh, what an experience. That was a religious experience for me to walk into that place. And I'm going, no, the religious experience is the presence of God. It is an experience. And, and certainly someone could have some type of epiphany in one of those kinds of places. I had my greatest epiphany, if you will, uh, out in the woods in South Georgia uh, by a little stream. And uh, I, God just met me there. It was an amazing, amazing moment. And there was nothing that looked like him. Uh, there was nothing that looked like anybody in his extended family. It was just me and, and Jesus. It was just, just a moment. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say this. We don't have to go looking somewhere else. Jesus reflects the glory of the living God. He is the Son of God. And I believe that you and I need to experience the glory of God much like Jesus did, in a sense. In, in the sense that we shift. And then like the apostles who witnessed that, that transfiguration, there is, there is a solidifying of our faith. And, and the glory of God shifts us so that we are from that point on without doubt that He is the Son of God. And that the enemy can't come in and give us lies. And, and we're not looking in some other place, but we are continually being filled with his glory so that he satisfies us. And we don't have to look for anything else but Jesus. He is it. He is everything for you and I. And then we need to realize that we share in that glory. All right? That, 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 that is the intent of Jesus, is that we are sharing that glory to God. In John 17, I'll close with this, um, because we're getting, we're getting to that time. Um, in, in John 17, there's several verses there, and you can read through them. You go about through 1 through 5. Uh, but there, there are different places there, depending on the trans translation that you read, where the glory of God is mentioned. Some seven or eight times, all right? And it's his prayer. And it goes something like this. Jesus says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And then a, a little bit later on, he goes on and says, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. That glory is ours to experience. I don't know how it's going to translate for you. I don't know how you're going to experience that. But, but this amazing glory of God has been shed upon us. It has been given by the Son. And you and I need to do what is necessary in terms of spiritual disciplines and commitment and preparing our hearts to be open so that we experience the glory of God and it shifts us and changes our lives. That we go through a transfiguration, if, we will, if you will. We go through a transformation that is very distinct and identifies us as followers of Jesus Christ like nothing. That would be my challenge to you today, is that something happens in you as you experience the glory of God. And this is my, my prayer right now. Mine and Pastor Dave, but we're praying for all of you. 
And we're praying specifically that in the coming couple of weeks that you will have such an encounter, that you will expect it and you, you, will, you will enjoy the presence of God and you will enjoy His glory and that you will live out of the resurrection, the truth of the resurrection. You will live out of that amazing truth and that your life will be vibrant because of that. I'm not saying everything's going to change for you. You know, we, we talk, this, this is the misnomer. We talk about a transformation or we talk about uh, a metamorphosis and then every, you know, people right away say, oh, it's going to get so good and nothing's going to be bad for me anymore and everything's going to be perfect and life is going to be... No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not promising you that. <laughs> I am not promising you that. I am promising that your soul can prosper. It can. It will in Christ. I don't know that everything will change for you, but I know this, you can change so that you are living out of a constant declaration that is, that is based on your faith in the promise of Jesus Christ, that his prayer has been answered by the Father, and that same glory is yours, and you can experience it. Let me pray for you. And after I pray for you, you've got a couple of minutes to go grab your kids or use the bathroom or whatever you need to do. And you're going to come back here and Tony Trussell's going to wow you with a little presentation. All right. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do an amazing work in every heart in this room. I pray that right now, Father, you would, you would come in a powerful way and show your glory. And I pray that your glory would be manifested and we would not look for the the entertainment world to give us that. We would not look for, for programs to do that. We would not look for all kinds of hyped up experiences to give us that. We would not even look for someone else to give us that, God. But that we would get your glory. We would receive it through an encounter with Jesus Christ as our Lord. And I pray that as we seek your face, that you would come. Come in your glory. Present yourself. Make yourself real. Would you open our hearts and our minds to have a greater revelation and a greater ability, Lord, to, to discern your glory happening around us. Help us to see it in the, the common things of our day and in the special ways that you're good to all of us and the wonderful things that we experience out of your love, out of your goodness. Let your glory shine. Let your glory arise and shine among us. Let your glory move us and change us. Let your glory transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.